Hi folks, it's Jeff here. Just a quick programming note before we start. There was so much to harp on for this epic match. It was tough to find anything to edit out. So what I've done is I've taken the regular front five and final thoughts sections and made them into our bonus clip for this week. That should be up on our YouTube channel by lunchtime on Tuesday. And for this pod, the lads are going straight into the match wrap. Right, let's crack on. It's time to start harping on rugby. My name is Jeff Pagano and welcome to Harping on Rugby, where with the help of some fellow fans, I get the chance to harp on what's going on with Leinster, Ireland and the wider rugby world. First up joining me is someone earning cap number 47. Hello to Mr. Tom Coleman. Evening, Jeff. Evening, Rich. Hello there. And also with us, as you hear there, is someone making his 31st appearance, coming to us from the Great Rock of Gibraltar. Hello to Mr. Rich Mifsuds. Evening, Jeff. Evening, Tom. Good to have you both. (laughs) So now it's time for our feature match of the week, which was, of course, La Rochelle v. Leinster, which was played at the Stade Marcel de Flandre in round one of the 2023-24 Investec Champions Cup on Sunday afternoon. As always, our Harpen Match Wrap pods are brought to you by the Irish Rugby Store at Elvery's. The forecast for La Rochelle on Sunday afternoon was never good, and it was proven right with rain teeming down as Hastoy got the match underway, Rich. Yeah, it's... Um... Epic and biblical. Uh, it, it was. It, it just looked awful. Um, let's put it this way: when you can see the rain teeming down on the telly, it must be bad. <laughs> this was awful. So I can just imagine what it was like to to play in it. Um, I, but it, it did have an effect. Obviously, it, it always would. Um, but the effect that I would suggest it, it had is that we were able to manage the conditions better than La Rochelle, uh, despite the fact that it was it was on their home turf. Um, an awful lot happened in that first quarter, um, uh, and I, I ended up having to divide it into five-minute segments because because of that. Um, just some, some uh, you know, it, it started off with a bit of uh, of kick tennis. Um, our kicking, our box kicking, started off a wee bit um, not quite on point where it should be, uh, but that improved during the course of the match. Um, so we were keep kicking a wee bit loosely. Um, from from um, from nine, uh, but like I said, that that was tightened up further uh, later on in the match. Um, we gave a, a cheap pen away, Joe. Uh, you know, basically the the, the, the their scrum half uh, bought a pen. Carly gave it, um, and La Rochelle went three 0 up from from the ensuing penalty. But already you could see the amount of pressure that our defence was having on, on La Rochelle. They were making an awful lot of mistakes. Um, that their, their players were extremely hyped up for whatever reason, whether they've been wound up by by their coaching staff or not, I, I have no idea. But Botia in particular, uh, I mean, being a Fijian, he doesn't really need much winding up because they're, they're ordinarily wound up anyway. But he was being an absolute pest. I, I'd use the, the appropriate word, but I don't think it's, it's appropriate for... <laughs> for being on the on the podcast, um, but you know he started off early doors. He he, he gave a, a stupid penalty away by by hitting um, Jimmy O'Brien 
right by the touchline. And I do mean hitting uh, because he was actually, he actually shouldered uh, Jimmy O'Brien. It wasn't even an attempt at a tackle. Uh, he could very easily have, have seen a yellow. In fact, I think he also seen a yellow and maybe we wouldn't have had the, the fisticuffs that we had subsequently uh, just a few minutes after that. So, um, like I say, an, an awful lot of, um, uh, you know, jabs, if we're talking or or, or uh, using the analogy of of two heavyweights. Uh, so the, there was a bit of jabbing uh, going on, and but no, certainly no knockout punches and a couple of, of pens. So we, we go to touch uh, from that penalty um, that Botia kindly gave us. Um, it ended up just out and, and uh, we, we get the line out. Doesn't seem to go very far. Um, like I said, the the, the box kicking uh, improves dramatically, and um, Jamison uh, puts one on the money just outside the twenty two, um, and we get uh, a pen from that. This is where the the Carly James Ryan relationship starts to deteriorate mightily. Um, and there's an awful lot of of James Ryan in Carly's ear now. Carly, you know anyone who's ever watched Matthew Carly uh, will know that he's uh, a bit precious. He he doesn't like being spoken back to, or indeed people querying his uh, his decisions. Um, and that's something that James Ryan need, needs to learn. I mean, we got to the ridiculous stage further on, and you know, I, I think James Ryan was fully entitled to question some of those decisions. I actually not even question the decisions, but actually ask the the ref to uh, to to have a look at some of the instances that have, that had taken place um, before this this uh, eventual decision um, um, was taken. Um, so it ended up going to uh, him saying, you know, quite dismissively that that he wouldn't be talking to him and that he would only be talking to Gary as the co-captain. Uh, thoughts on co-captaincy is is for another pod, no doubt. Uh, but uh, you know, it was it was convenient that the co-captain was there because Gary could take over the reins and uh, you know, and I think you know to in terms of James Ryan himself uh, and I don't want to belabor the point I think he he's been accused in the past of of not being vocal enough not being too much in the in the ref's ear um and I think he was overcompensating somewhat uh, it's just that this is the wrong ref to do that with um any other ref might have had a chat with him and nothing like this would have happened but anyway we move on um we get Will Connors who uh played an absolute blinder chopping down uh, La Rochelle players on, on this particular occasion. He he puts a lot of pressure on, on Skelton, forces the knock on. We get a scrum, then we get a, a, a pen at that scrum and we go to touch. Almost immediately after taking getting the line out, we get penalty advantage. And this is another of those instances which was missed, in my view, by, by the refing team. Uh, Robbie kicks through on, on penalty advantage, and it, it, I mean it's, it's it's a horror of a kick, I and mean, it just goes no, going nowhere. But then you see Gary Ringrose getting taken out, and and Dante, for all my money, actually kicks him. You know, so that that should have been looked at if nothing else. And and it, you know, um, of course, what happens then is that we get penalty advantage. We go for the for the penalty, and it just kicks off from there. 
yes, you could say that both sets of players kicked off, but the fact of the matter is that the, the, the ref lost control of, of the match. He, he should have been stamping his authority on, on that match from, from that moment. And what happened then was that Dante was quite rightly yellow-carded because he, he just scragged uh, Dan Sheehan from, from behind. And then, lo and behold, and I, I could see it coming, uh, Big uh, Big Joe gets yellow-carded as well uh, for, in the ref's own words, for tackling Dante off the ball. Well, <laughs> play was dead. You know, if you're going to do him for something, do him for some foul play or whatever, not tackling a player off the ball, for goodness sakes. So anyway, they, they were, both went off. Um, we go... Uh, uh, for the tap and go, uh, we get penalty advantage. Tap and go again, and then basically we we tie them in. With the, they get narrow uh, on 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 the left hand side of of the pitch as as we're looking at it, and then very quick hands, very slick passing, nine to thirteen to ten to eleven to Jordan Lama, and he pretty much walks across uh, the line. And then Im- importantly, there's a le- very good conversion from the right touchline. Um, and although you may not have seen at the time, but that was going to be very crucial heading into the, the latter stages of of the match. Um, one of the things that that uh, I picked up obviously was with this, and we've spoken about it already. Uh, the the Ninaba effect in terms of the rush defense and how players, and not just one, because normally we would shoot one up front, usually Gary. Uh, try and clatter the the ball carrier uh, at source, and then everybody else would push up. But on this occasion, you're getting three and even four players going out. Um, that takes an awful lot of discipline, no doubt, and fitness. <laughs> um, uh, and yet with, we're beginning to see that happening. But of course, what that does is it leaves gaps, if you're clever enough, if you dink it over the top, it leaves gaps. And we were caught out on a couple of occasions. And, and no doubt this is where this system is uh, cementing itself and I would imagine that we'll have a covering player in 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 that midfield region to uh, to prevent those uh, those potential line breaks from from a dinko over the top. So um, you know the play continues. Botia carries on being an absolute idiot. He uh, had he used his head properly uh, rather than clunking into Hugo Keenan's head, or the, at, le- at the very least very very high up uh, on his shoulder. Um, they might have might have profited from a kick through um, that went almost to uh, to our goal line. Uh, Hugo did brilliantly well in in cover defence, um, stood up, and that's when he got clattered by um, by Botia. So penalty to us enables us to uh, to clear our lines, um, and then the one thing that you need to say about La Rochelle was Doulan, who ended up getting player of the match. He was absolutely imperious. I mean, those conditions were disgusting. Filthy, swirling winds, rain, wet ball, and he just kept getting them, uh, clutching them out of the air, uh, both on their kicks and our kicks. Um, so, you know, kudos to him. Um, he, he certainly was was La Rochelle's best player uh, on, on the evening. Um, moving on, um, there's a few, uh, like it goes back into kick tennis, which is hardly surprising given the conditions, but sadly we, we came a, a cropper when, uh, when Jamison actually knocked on, on our 10 and that is the first quarter. Like I said, it's, uh, 
full of incident, full of uh, drama and uh, and what have you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talk about the you talk about the knee number effect. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this is an example of that. But one thing South Africa been known of in recent years is that to to let give you when they announce their selections, you're always scratching your head. There's always something about the selection that has you going like, what have they done there? Like, you know, and uh, and when you saw Will Connors at, at number seven, you know, you it was pretty obvious what it was for. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to give you the credit here, but uh, you had a special term for um, Connors against a skeleton. What did you call it? Uh, well, it was the contest of the wheels, wasn't it? The test of wheels. Battle um, of wheels. We, exactly, we, all know, yeah. we all know which wheel won. Exactly. Yes. And um, and while while the sevens usually have a spe- specific remit coming into the game, this was a clear one for Connors. We know how good he is at getting low for those tackles. And uh, and uh, it, but uh, in contrast, you also mentioned Bottia and it was it was clear he had a very different remit and it was to just disrupt. He you mentioned that the, the times he he just basically clattered uh, into players. He hit ring rows at one stage as well, a different time. And uh, it, it it was just uh, it was just relentless. And he, like you say, he was lucky. He was lucky not to get carded in that time as well. But we came like you say, we came out of that uh, crucial period with the try and that conversion as well. And uh, 7-3 lead. Now that knock on, you know, there, there were still mistakes happening. I mean, in those conditions, it was it was almost inevitable that there were going to be mistakes, but um, anyway, so uh, Gibson Park knocked on and we played on from there, uh, Tom. Yeah. And I suppose it's worth mentioning that uh, there was a hell of a kick through from Ryan Baird just before that. Yeah. Uh, Good old yeah. He, he should have a word with Gibson Park after that because it, yep. uh, it would have been in the highlight reels of the game for, for, <laughs> for Ryan Baird, who uh, I'm sure we'll discuss at the end of the match in a fantastic game. But look, if, if, if Rocky had lost the first three fights, I know he didn't in the movies, but definitely if this was Rocky Four, spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert, yeah, anyone who hasn't watched Rocky, but if this was Rocky Four, uh, as Rich discussed the first twenty minutes of this game, um, this is like looking at the first round when Drago comes out going, "Well, bloody hell, this is going to be a crimson fight." Uh, and since it's a Leinster pod, I'm going to say we're Rocky. <laughs> uh, anyone else can complain and say we're the baddies and uh, can call us Drago. Um, but yeah, that first 20 minutes, is, as Rich said, sort of set the tone. Um, what way Leinster were sort of setting themselves out and what way La Rochelle were, were sort of targeting this game as well. I suppose the, the main talking point of the first main talking point of that sort of second quarter was was Bautia, uh, again, who, who Rich mentioned, who was playing more with his, um, what part of his brain, I'm not sure. Um, he looked like a guy that was too wound up. Um and was was wasn't really thinking on his feet at all. Um, he, he was very lucky to be still on the pitch at this stage when he he scrambled over the line. I know it took a while um, for Carly to get there, but it was obvious he went on all fours, and it was a def the right def one hundred percent right call. I know the home crowd didn't like it, but uh, you know he crawled along. Um, and as Rich mentioned, um, the main reason for that was a good chop tackle by by Will Connors again, took him around the ankles, which just just sort of put him down and. Look, he's seen the gap and he went for it, but he crawled on all fours and it was rightly done. I think it was it's little sympathy. I have some sympathy for Carly, I should say, because there was a lot of people in his ear from both sides uh, at that stage of the game. And maybe he was right just to take his time in such an important European game to make sure it wasn't a try. After that, Harry, who, Harry Gordon, who, you know, it'll be lost in the discussion with Frawley, how well Frawley did when he came on. But I thought Harry Bourne had a decent enough time till he got ahead and knock and went off. He had a lovely... 
nearly 50-22 shortly after that and uh, TMO had to check it and it just sort of bounced the wrong side of the flag but I thought he had a pretty competent game uh, I know people are screaming for Foley to start and, and rightly so he's had a really good month he's scored tries uh, I am slightly biased been a, been a scary club man but at the end of the day we want both of them to be doing well in the absence of Harry or in the ro- absence of Ross I should say and I'd be pretty positive about Harry's uh, contribution I think there's only one real kick in the first half where he was unfortunate, went too long and went out for a 20, went out for a, they came all the way back for a large, a large scrum, but, but I, I thought he put himself about and his kicking was quite was quite decent. Yeah, from that, I think the earliest, the, the next early signs of Leinster's game plan uh, was how much we targeted the La Rochelle line-out because, um, you know, from that nearly 50-22, we were putting pressure on, on, on La Rochelle's line-out and, you know, it was the start of Call it the Ryan Bird show. I thought he was a real nuisance at the front of the line out. Um, Rich also mentioned our nemesis as well, Skelton, and um, how much of an annoyance he is. But you know, one definite side of his game that he's of no use is around the line out. You know, he's he's a dud in the line out, he can neither lift nor be lifted, and um, that does limit um, uh, what Lara Shell can do. So it it, it should. It, it makes it slightly easier for opposition, in this case Leinster, to try and shut down La Rochelle ball in around the line out. And obviously look after a team we've played now, this is our fourth time, you would hope we'd start to learn a few a few uh, tweaks or a few um, weaknesses in our game. And, you know, we definitely went after the line out a lot in this, this half and into the second half. Um, but... There was a lot of kicking to and fro in this that this section of the game as well. Um, one area might be critical Leinster would be, and it's very hard to say with the conditions. Was I thought some of our box kicking was a little bit too long at times, and it really brought Bryce Doolan into the game, who I think is one of the best exponents. Where he 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 just seems to. He's great awareness to where the ball is going to go. I know, like we rave on about Hugo Keenan and I talk about Hugo, the two the two fullbacks probably were the two best players on the pitch um, from both sides. But but I thought we played a little bit into Doolan's hands. Um, I'm surprised both teams didn't target the wingers more so. I think Lades and Favre were quite limited players going forward. Uh, they're very good defensively, uh, but they're not great under a high ball. And I'm surprised Hastoy didn't target Jimmy O'Brien, especially after some of the games that Jimmy's had, he's been targeted by Munster in the Aviva and stuff like that. So that was a little bit of a surprise, but I, I'm guessing the conditions for kicking the ball was was tricky. And I think both teams wanted to play, keep the balls, the kick the ball on the pitch as well. So maybe going for the maybe going for the wingers um was was something they both both shied away from. Um but yeah it was interesting to see how it developed. The kicking as I said was a little bit loose with from us uh, especially Gibson Park the way um, I thought just his kicking from hand was a bit casual. Um, but, you know, other than that, you know, Gibson, we, we know what Gibson Park gives us. You know, he's good around the pitch, good around the rook. So, you know, overall, he had a good game. But I think that's something Leo will look at, how how some of the length of the kicking wasn't where it should be. And it made it a lot easier for Doolan than um, than it should have been. And, and a, a player of that quality, you can't really, you can't really uh, give a chance like that. Um, a couple of other, you know, talking points in that sort of quarter was 
Dante had a good jackal penalty off I think it was Ryan Bear got isolated. Again we went we went to, uh, the lineup was quite good and uh again we kicked too long to Doolan as well. Um the other facet of the game that followed on from the first quarter that was really good from Leinster was anytime La Rochelle got phases in that sort of quarter was the veracity of our counter up and you know we're looking you know I've been on the few pods a few times since the start of the, the season and from earlier on we we've been looking for signs of call it the Ningbar effect and I definitely you know you know there's enough data there now we've been saying it another match we'll have a look but there's there's a definite um instruction there from the coaches to really target that first phase rook ball where we used to do that before um you know without going into too much detail you know for anyone listening Leinster used to, to you know defend with try and keep as many people on their feet 13 or 14 players and only put one or two on the rocks and eventually the opposition would run out of numbers and we'd probably target a turnover on the third, fourth or fifth rock and then transition from there. The difference with this Leinster team is now going after great ferocity at the at the opposition ball, straight away from the rock ball. We are doing everything we can to slow that ball up and make it the dirtiest, shittiest ball. And I think a couple of players that don't really get plowed as much, you know, James Ryan, you know, he's he he get all the talk will be criticism of um of how, how he engaged with the referee and that would be the talking point for some fans definitely not in Leinster but you know he had I think 31 rook entries and the weekend and that just shows the work rate he goes and he played pretty much nearly all of the game um, top of the tackle charts as well top yeah. of the tackle charts as well you know what I mean so you know yes it didn't work out with himself and Carly but you know say la vie mm. um, I would say it didn't work out for Bougarit and um, and Carly either but you know we can talk about Bougarit in the second half how we completely lost the plot so you know what I mean but look people want to focus on James Ryan good for them um, and the second player I think that's really taken um, sort of the remit of being a bastard around the rook is uh, is Michael Alatoa you know you know he's going to get criticised for some of his scrum play it's not as great it's not as it's not a strength you know he struggled a little bit over in Galway as well but my God, did he did he make himself a dog? And he's taken that remit to heart. So I think you know, it, it, it's people will look at Antonio, Antonio, who's a massive scrummager, but the work rate Michael Alatoa offered around the park and how he upset the rook. You know, you can compare players like for like and what value. You know, nine to nine, probably nine times out of ten, fans would say, oh, "I'd rather Antonio," and probably they're right. But I think there's value beyond the set piece that. Leinster definitely put stock on it. So fair, fair juice to Michael Alatoa. I thought he was really aggressive around the, around the, around the, the rock play, the rock play as well. Um, the other incident, maybe another incident in that game was because the rocks, as I said, was so ferocious. Uh, Porter had to go off with a really nasty cut above the eye, and uh, there was a close in at one stage on the camera, and I didn't really think he'd come back on. It looked a really, really deep cut because you could see the flesh under the skin, and. Um, even Carney was taken aback. His face was a bit of a grimace when he went up close to Porter. But uh, uh, so Healy came on. Again, you know, the scrum, we were struggling a little bit in it. You know, it's a massive flower shell pack. When you've got a Tonio at Tighthead and Will Skelton packing in behind him, you know, you nearly have to be the Springbok scrum to, 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 to sort of limit that. So, you know, Healy... Um, I think we ended up giving away a scrum penalty with with, with Keane, uh when he was on, and that was when Hastoy aimed for the post this time and and got the score, uh, to bring it back to six seven. Um, it was interesting what Hastoy and it sort of played out in the second half. 
he he he's anytime I've seen him, he's, he looks confident in open play, but that game definitely didn't suit him. And he, he looked a bit hesitant all the time about whether to go for kicks or not. I think um that was where Aldrich was probably missed, more so from the point of not his general play, but just as a captain to go over and send the confidence, go take the tree, go for it. So I think when you look at and again I mentioned it, when you look at Bugarich and how he reacted in the second half um as captain, um and he's an old club mate of, of Aldrich. They both came from Auch in, 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 in France, you know, that little club that produced a, a certain Alapon to point as well. So that's their some club. But I think uh, Aldrich's captaincy was missed more than anything else. And and sort of maybe to bring that calmness and bring that assurance to Hastoy. I'm not saying Hastoy would have got the kicks in the end once he did miss, but um I think it's worth mentioning Aldrich was 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 a, a big loss leadership wise, uh, especially since their um their band coach, you know, I think that's his 21st week uh, of bands, five bands in 21 weeks. So they were missing their coach and they were missing their captain. And I think the fact that uh, O'Gara was somewhere up in the stand probably highlighted more where, where, where Aldrich was missed. Um, other than that, there was a beautiful group of kick from, from Ringer at one stage, absolutely peach of a kick, nearly just found the corner flag. Um, and again, we went after, we went after some... Uh, uh, really put pressure on La Rochelle inside the 22 and um, we ended up getting ball eventually turned over and I think it was Gibson Park was at the bat of a rock and Skelton, another player who was more concentrating on grinning at the TV and trying to wind up Lance the players for most of the game gave away a ridiculously stupid penalty like just taking the nine out in front and Kieran Frawley came on with his sort of first kick of the game, I think it was straight in front of the post but sometimes, you know, I'm not a kicker, never was but uh, you hear some of the, the kickers saying some of the, the times the straight one, but there's no, you have to really literally go down the middle. Um, it can be, can be quite difficult. Um, but Frawley just kicked it over with a, with a lovely kick and to give us sort of a 10-6 lead. But, you know, go back to just finishing off that half, go back to Skelton. Um, Skelton's strength of, you know, lying like a beach morris on top of players and stopping them from coming out and grabbing legs, you know, and being a real shithouse, as we'd call it. Yeah, that's all well and good, but if you're giving away dumbass penalties in front of the post to give Leinster a, a bit of a fill-up going in at halftime, well, look, you know, green all you want, but uh, it was an, it was a really stupid penalty. You know, if that was Joe McCarthy giving away that penalty, a lot of people would be giving out about how naive he is, but, you know, this is a guy that should, Skelton should know better, and it was a really stupid penalty. Uh, and again, you know, maybe highlighted a lack of leadership on the pitch from from La Rochelle, if, if they want to analyse what went wrong for them on, on, on how they lost this game. But yeah, 10 6 at the break, and, you know, Rocky's won, winning on points at this stage. Yeah, I mean, the the, the big theme of that is uh, just basically La Rochelle's mindset, um, just basically right throughout the match. I mean, you know, Leinster's, we had our moments as well. But I, I, I think it's important to put into context what 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 it's been like uh, for La Rochelle. I mean, when we look at it, this this particular game from Leinster's point of view, we're thinking of the three meetings we had for them before, and that's it. And we're it's a big monkey on our backs, and we're trying to do that. But from their point of view, even since that game in the Aviva, the, uh, so much has gone on for them. Uh, that defeat against Toulouse would have hurt them. Um, basically, the, the overall French performance in the World Cup or the, the way that turned out 
would have, would be a factor. And then they haven't had a great start to this season either. They've lost a lot more than they would expect to at the beginning of the season. And that would kind of build up. And like you say, you're, they're missing their leaders, um, their coaches, they're missing their leaders, their regular captain. There was just uh, so much going on. There's just a big vacuum there. But the important thing from Leicester's point of view is that when, when they were losing it, we were fronting up to them as well. We were standing up to them. Maybe, maybe we did go too far sometimes getting a yellow card here, penalty there gave our, our own penalties. That was a big, a big subplot to this game. And um, like you say, Frawley literally just walked onto the pitch in the, at the end of the first half and had a penalty and popped it over. It wasn't, was, was no means easy. And then the conversion from Harry earlier on, we finished our try when we had that one chance and uh, we would have taken that four point lead, um, you know, at the kickoff, absolutely no problem. And like you say, that halftime score, it was La Rochelle six, Leinster 10. <laughs> So having come on to just do that one place kick to end the first half, Kieran Frawley remained as Leinster's out half to resume the second, Rich. Yeah, and, and I think that's, you know, supporters, that's one of the things we were looking out for, see whether Harry came back or not. Um, I mean, sadly for Harry, he didn't. And, and Kieran Frawley came on and um, and did, did, did extremely well. Uh, and to be fair, Harry had played quite well during the time he'd been on uh, in, in that first half. So... I think an interesting point here is the um, our kickoffs and how we are putting pressure on, on or certainly against La Rochelle in, in this particular instance. Uh, but no doubt we'll see this uh, more often as, as the weeks progress. But it was interesting to see Ryan Baird, and we've spoken already about Ryan Baird, uh, and quite rightly too, he, he had... I really do think he was our best man uh, on, on the day. And, you know... In other instances, I, I think he, w- he would have probably got player of the match. Um, but anyway, um, he was starting his run-ups uh, on 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 our ten meter, and he was charging up. Well, of course, he's a big fella, so <laughs> he needs to pick up speed as he goes along. Uh, but the effect of this was that he ended up when the ball was, and obviously he timed his runs perfectly to to be behind the kicker. Um, when the ball was landing in the twenty-two, he was there in your face. And on two or three occasions, we either got the ball back or we forced a knock on, but 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 certainly we disrupted whatever. Um, and of course, you know, to, to my mind and to a lot of people's minds, uh, the kickoff return is what they do in American football, special teams territory. It's, you know, it, it's, it's another set piece. It's, it's, it's how you deal with it. Um, and we foiled any attempts or any plans that, that La Rochelle may have had. And we did this on a number of occasions, as I said, and, and it certainly uh, worked well. Um, Mr. Doulin decided to uh, go for a, for a mazy run through our defence. Uh, some people were dropping off, uh, falling off tackles there. But um, he, I mean, he's a lovely balanced runner. But I, I think we, we he was afforded a wee bit too much, uh, too much space uh, in the midfield. Uh, but anyway, as a result, um, Dan Sheehan um, knocks on uh, deliberately. Uh, they get a pen and they go for touch. And, and I think this is where the, the points that Tom has already made about the uh, the uh, line-out defence. Um, they clearly weren't comfortable going deep into, into, the, into their line-out. And this was uh, the first two examples, actually, that, that we saw uh, in this quarter um, where he went um, 
bugger it went he's got a lovely name doesn't it bugger it he, he went to uh to wadi uh he went short to wadi just on the five meters and and this is where you realize how clever ryan baird is um he was there to be lifted he saw what was happening in the blink of an eye he shoved past his lifter and tackled uh, Wadi and together with a little help from his friends uh, and they, he, he got bundled into touch. But, it, you know, when, when you see it for, for what it is, it's it's the presence of mind to realise, and, and obviously the, the, this was a planned move by, uh, by La Rochelle and what they're probably banking on is that Baird would have been, you know, hindered by, by his lifter who would have been focusing on lifting uh, and not on what was happening behind him. Uh, but Baird was was clearly too too clever by half, and and they managed to put him away. Then there was an interest, well, yet another thing that that uh, the refs uh, missed, and and it was Kerbala picks up the ball in midfield. There is a clear, blatant block of a tackle, completely ignored. I I don't hear, I, I don't know whether whether Gary uh, queried it in, in comms, uh, but I'm sure he did. Uh, but it was it, it was pretty blatant. Um, but anyway, they, they they go. This gets them to uh, almost to our line. Our defense uh, at the line was. I think the word I want to use is vicious, um, because it was just relentless, and they didn't take a single step back. Um, so basically, that that came to nothing. Uh, it went back for a for a scrum because they had penalty advantage. They get a scrum pen. Uh, they go again. Again, the defense is is really, really uh, intense uh, from us. And it ends up with Botia being an Egypt again. Uh, and instead of having the presence of mind to present and go again, he tries to go himself. Uh, and of course, he, he, he falls into the loving and caring embrace of Big Joe, uh, who holds him up over the line. Goal line bro- uh, dropout. Be- just before that, Will Connors again, big kiss. He just clunked him again. He was just immense. He really, really was. Sadly, we, we end up giving another scrum pen, uh, which uh, Astoy puts over in the 51st minute. Um, and the score is tightened yet again to uh, to the one point. Once again, we uh, we, we put pressure on the on the on the on their kickoff uh, reception, but sadly doesn't doesn't come. Uh, not, nothing much more comes of it. And then we we knock on. Uh, Kieran Frawley knocks on uh, on a pass as, as uh, under pressure from uh, from the La Rochelle rush rush defence. So th- there's there's a bit of toing and froing. Uh, not an awful lot happening. The introduction of of Charlie Natta in the fifty sixth minute made an impression and something that if we've been watching Charlie Natta this season, we will have seen. It's the amount of meters he makes after contact is just unbelievable. He makes it a point of staying on his feet. He has to be credited with with the fact that we ended up getting a pen just in front of the posts. He picked up the ball, charged through, I don't know how many defenders, even after contact, dragging them through, and they get pinged for not rolling away. We try something off, off the penalty advantage, comes to nothing, and, and Kieran Frawley slots uh, the three points taking us up to 9.13. So now we have our four points, which seems slender, lead back again. And that's the end of the third quarter.
Yeah, I mean, um, well, we always say about, you know, big clo- match, any match that's close at halftime, the, the saying is, oh, well, the next score is going to be crucial. But it's it's never as simple as that. It's, but unless you factor in the fact that a lot of times when you have a massive defensive stand, when the team when the when team you're playing has been pummeling your line and they've had all these chances and you've held them out. That's actually can be as good as the score in itself. I mean, it, it feels like it, it is, and it does, makes a difference. I mean, sometimes, you know, when, when you've got, especially a team, a big team like our Rochelle, five meters out, you're you're just expecting, you almost think it's the inevitable that they're going to go over, but the Leinster defense didn't, and uh, they managed to hold them out. And uh, like you say, there was a lot of bad decision-making on La Rochelle's part. I thought a lot of times at penalties, I thought they took a scrum when they, they, they went for a touch when they could have gone for a post, they went for a post when they could have gone for a scrum. It was all, it was like it was, there was almost going out of their way to pick the wrong option in the wrong situation at times, but still, we still had to take advantage. And you saw, and you said that missed call Ben K spotted that the second it happens, yeah. uh, but while the play was still going on in the, in the yeah. commentary and um, that, and I, I mean, I didn't see it. I didn't know, but in the replay, it is obvious yeah, that the, the, the guys take it out way beyond the ruck. And um, it's, uh, but anyway, even though, La Rochelle got that score and they got the first play. It took them, took them 10 minutes to do it with all that pressure on our line. And it was only three points. And like you say, Natai coming on uh, was a big factor in in getting us back. And when we went, once we were going down there, it was a much shorter space of time and we were getting a chance to, to, to restore that four point lead. And that must've been real, real kick for them. Yeah. And just a couple of points before we we hand over to Tom. And, And one of them is the, the completely nullifying of, what did for us in May, which was their molds, completely inexistent, and and the line, the, the mold defense and the lineout defense completely nullified what is one of La Rochelle's biggest assets. So that was one thing, and you've also mentioned here that that it, it's very demoralizing for teams when they've been knocking on your door and then you, you get turned over. But it's not just the turning them over; it's the manner of the turning them over. Mm. Make a mistake, uh, you know, or the pass doesn't go to hand or whatever. But this wasn't, this was an imposition of willpower. You will not pass. And and, and the reason I say that is because that has an effect and it has an effect up here, uh, which which is the the most crucial element of of any any, any professional sport. So, and, and, you know, there's been no exception. And like you say, at the, right at the end of the quarter, having already scored right at the end of the first half, right at the end of the third quarter, uh, Frawley got that uh, penalty, which uh, put us back to four four points ahead as we went into the final quarter, Tom. Yeah, and I think we've mentioned a few players that we might do it on our recap, but at this stage, Frawley was on, Natai was on, uh, Josh had come on for Will Connors, and um, yeah, it's interesting, Natai going to, uh, going on for Larmer. You know, we were all wondering how the backs, back line would show up I think the reason I'm just mentioning those four players, and Ronan Callar obviously came on for for uh, Dan Sheehan. Um, I think all four guys that came on really did make an impact and, and did really well. I think uh, Dan probably had one of his quieter games, mainly because I think La Rochelle were worried about him. The one player he could on after physically and trying, you know, the, our old friend Skelton was definitely trying to get into his head a few times, and it was it was no wonder at that sort of. Um, Kerfuffle at the, the in the first half that they they, they went after Dan Sheehan a few times. So I think they can be happy they kept Sheehan quiet. But look, when Rebels bring somebody off like Ronan, 
who who, who was really solid when he came on. It, it's it's great, but yeah, those four players really made an impact for the guys that came off. Uh, they played really well as well. But uh, I think there was the this was apart from maybe having no hair left by the end of this game. I think the one time I was pulling my hair out of the was was as soon as Kieran kicked that three points. And as you say, we were quite economical. We got up there, La Rochelle were labouring a bit and trying to get the scores. And we kicked that three. Normally with Lencer are quite cute at restarts. We just completely fell asleep. And um just really, really sloppy from the from the restart from from the La Rochelle restart after Kieran's three. And we gifted them back three. And then uh Bugaret for some reason decided to go for touch. Maybe you know champion teams back their their team to go and score and they're at home and you know more luck to them I'm not going to second guess them but you would have thought that it was a very easy three in a game that was going to come down to one score um I it's just a baffling decision considering as Rich says both Ryan Baird at the front of the line was was disrupting Burger at throw and uh, Joe McCarthy, even if they did get a successful throw, McCarthy and Ryan especially, um, McCarthy's counter mauling is just fantastic and he's a real asset. Um, I just think he's a real weapon in, in and around that. He's just a real dog about getting in there and disrupting it. He's grabbing arms and uh, it's, you know he's not swimming up the sides illegally. He's just tearing right through the middle and we've seen that a good few times from this, this season. So he's the main um, destruction and yeah, given those two things, it was really weird that um, Burger decided to go for a liner because you would think that the chances of a successful mall liner for starters and then mall was was maybe a long odds considering what had gone on for the previous 60 minutes. But look, they decided to go and turn down a very easy tree and they went to, to, went to the liners. I think Bird went up first as an early jump and then I'm not sure who the... Um, I think it was Levalt, I think, was the... The second row for um for La Rochelle and the line end went askew and immediately there was the crowd just erupted with moans and 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 uh obviously the TV camera showed uh, James Ryan's sneaky little arm doing a pull. Uh for any of us that are old enough going back to the uh I think it was the Leinster Leicester game in the Aviva Lansdowne Road in 2012 quarterfinal. There's still um, Tom Croft and Lewis Deacon shaped tears in the pitch down there from Kevin McLaughlin absolutely doing the same thing time and again. It is illegal. It should have been a pen. But look, uh, it maybe highlights something we've said about, you know, maybe Leinster being too clean and too, 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 too saintly. You know, I'm sure there's people listening that go, what? Fucking Leinster flying in and out their feet every rock, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, Leinster do tend to, uh, to uh, in my opinion, be a bit too clean. And it's it's good if, if La Rochelle, we've accused La Rochelle of doing some stuff, but I think that was a cute one by James Ryan. I think the main the main um, result of that was uh, for, for the next sort of five, 10 minutes, uh, Bougarit, their captain, and I mentioned it already, and, and Rich has mentioned, both mentioned it, he just seems to lose the plot. He was totally gone. I think it would have been right for O'Gara to substitute him at that stage or whoever was on the bench because, at, you know, I know we ended up clearing the lines and stuff, but we had another day, another line, you know, 90 seconds later. And he looked like a guy that didn't care. He just pegged the line out. It seemed to be like he wasn't going to the call and Ryan Baird had the easiest, I think Ryan Baird had the easiest steals at the front. And Bugaritz, Bugaritz, uh, he headed completely gone. Um 
you know, we've mentioned Aldrich again. Um, he badly missed, you know, whatever about his player on the pitch. But it, it was at that stage I felt that uh, La Rochelle were rattled. You know what I mean? I think bad decision after bad decision, it just looked like they were definitely rattled. And that physicality from Leinster, we've mentioned it in around the line out, in around malls, in around the rocks, was starting to pay off, that they just weren't physically getting it their own way. Whereas the last few games against them is it's their physical strength that brought it back into us to start to bully it at, at breakdown and, and and get that momentum and eventually our card bodies will tell us it's hard to defend that all the time and eventually they would just power over us even though the game's very close. But um yeah, that was the first you know, you know, I mean, I'm sure we were all roaring at TV or if there's lengths of fans in the ground, you're absolutely giving it one. But that series of plays where we, we started to get into our head definitely got us up off the couch or up off the settee or wherever anyone was watching the game and, you know, really wanting your team to get stuck into them. Um, Josh had another steal again in that half, you know, and he'll have another telling one, you know, later on. Um, I think our picking starts to improve and, you know, I think Doolan started to kick a lot more low trajectory kicks. He was looking for knock-ons. He's a very good player in fairness to him. He wasn't going for the up the high ones because it wasn't paying off for him. So we, we noticed that he started to clearance kicks um, with a few bouncers, as I call them, hoping he gets a few knock-ons. There was one or two. I think Gibson Park regarded one where he had to drag it back. It looked like he knocked it on. Um, but there was one in particular where Robbie Henshaw sort of just blanked it off for a second and he just touched it and gave it an easy line out as well. Not under huge pressure, but he just probably lost sight of the sideline. That really brought La Rochelle some territory. And then after a couple of phases, we gave away a penalty. And passed by this time, they decided the harder kick to go for the posts. And I think it looked good. His kick looked good for about the first 10 metres. And then after that, it just sort of went on its own trajectory like a like a, like a an Elon Musk rocket and went out of sight. <laughs> it just went, uh, went off skew ways. But uh, again, I mentioned it in the first part of the game. He, he, I think he's a class player, has to. I really like him, in fairness. I think it's been a good signing for uh, for La Rochelle. And I think he's a step up on some of the guys that actually were there before them, like West, um, Ohio West. So, I, you know, long term, I think he'd be a great signing. But I, th- I just think he needed um, back and from a stronger captain and giving them that assurance to go for kicks and when to go for kicks. You know, mentioning his coach, O'Gara, I've heard him, you know, obviously he's been well interviewed. O'Gara once said the great thing about getting packed captain by Paul O'Connell was Paul O'Connell would go up and say three points. And he just, it was like, I know you're going to get it. He's subconsciously saying, I know you're going to get it. You go for it. And I think that hesitancy, leaving it up to the kicker, not sure, younger guy, I think that's where you just need a stronger captain to go, all right, has to Point at the post, get it. Because I trust you, you get it. And it gives you that confidence. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but O'Gara himself, his own coach, talks about the psychology of having a strong captain, when to go for kicks and stuff like that. So it'd be an interesting one to see how it gets on. I thought we really defended well in this quarter uh, as well. I thought, you know, um, touching back, you know, we don't want to keep mentioning Neenbar and I thought our scramble defence, which is a hallmark of South Africa's play. And I thought Jimmy Bryan and, and had a good game. Larmer, when he was on, had a good scramble defence as well. And obviously, as we brought Charlie Natai on, we sort of three centres. But I think Hugo Keenan with the pick of our back players, I think he tied it up really, really well. It was just, there was a lot of a lot of things where he just sort of he was able to read the play. It was the battle of the 215s, really. We put pressure on 
I think it was Dante nearly made a run, but it was a bad pass. I can't forget who it was, but it was he was trying to catch the ball in front of him. And in conditions like that, it was next year impossible. And he sort of knocked on. We, again, we tied it up well and cleared. We used what I'd call the uh, the Irish move, where sometimes, you know, from a clearance from La Rochelle, you get Caelan Doris. Uh, whoever receives it is looking for Caelan to run it back. And there was a couple of times you look back, maybe he didn't make great yards, but he, he totally sidesteps the first defender all of the time. He's just a beautifully balanced runner where he tends to go right and nips in left. So he's always going to make yards there. A lot of kick tennis in the last quarter. I think La Rochelle missed, uh, this is personal opinion, I think um, maybe Ogar, you know, Ogar is a far better coacher than I ever will ever be in my wildest dreams. But I think Dylan Lades and Favre are limited enough in an attacking sense from La Rochelle. And I do think maybe it was the wrong game for Teddy Thomas. I know he was banned for a very bad tackle a few weeks ago. But I think they have Raymond Rule and Jack Noel on their books as well. And they give something different in the attack. I, I think the La Rochelle wings offered nothing for them. So I think they only had the one exit all the time. I know Doolin got man of the match. But I think it was at this stage of the game where Leinster were quite happy to kick to them and, and start to say, you play. They had really no plan B. Um, they were looking for errors off us rather than creating something themselves. Lades and Favre are solid enough wingers, but I'd call workman-like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they needed a little bit of X factor from somebody like Teddy Thomas or Raymond Rule, who scored in that um, final down in Marseille against us, or Jack Noel, who I think is a very defensively good wing, but he also offers a bit of a threat and attack. I, I just thought, the again, the selection of those two guys is maybe a little bit on the conservative side. I think Frawley as well put in some decent kicks with some yeah. nice kicks where he was, he was getting them turned and forcing them to run back in. And our <clears throat> when our kick chase was there, it was good and it put them under pressure and, and there was times we decided not to chase it. So at one stage during the, the half, I think that last quarter, it there was the there was about twenty-five players standing in the middle of the pitch and there were all forwards, not all forwards, but the too many numbers for that. But they were just waiting to see where it was going to end up. Um uh, as they as it went left, as it went right, and you know, over and back. Um but at the end of the day, I think Lens were winning at that stage. It was up to La Rochelle to do something. We were quite happy to go, right, you have to play out. You, if you want to you want to create something, you go create it. We're not going to make a mistake on our own one half. The one part where we did make a mistake and it was very tight was there was a long kick and Gibson Park just caught it outside the 22 and then sort of ran into the 22. It did take a, a second look in fairness in the camera to show that he that he did step back in and then he ended up kicking an absolutely beautiful 50-22 nearly. Um or, or sorry went out in the full. It, would have, it was an excellent clearance. But um when 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 the eventually the team almost have got or the linesman got in Carly's ear and uh, and Gibson Park was deemed to have carried it back into the 22. That did that did give La Rochelle that territory that they were really desperate for in that half. And I you know I said about maybe not creating anything and waiting for us to make a mistake. Well, there was the time we made a we made a mistake. Um, again, La Rochelle from the impending uh, lineup was sloppy. It wasn't clean whatsoever. Again, we were putting pressure. It's good to see Leinster. Sometimes you you would with, with a strong mall um, like La Rochelle's and Rich touched on it. The, the tendency is maybe not not as far as it's twenty two or maybe you know with inside at least five, seven, eight, nine meters. The tendency is not to contest. And it can be frustrating sometimes for for supporters, uh, 
And myself included, when you're 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 looking at going, oh, throw somebody up, throw somebody up. Um, but I think in this instance, in all instances, we were definitely contesting the line out first and foremost, and then had a different pod ready to attack any mall that formed. But in this instance, a mall didn't even get formed. There was a messy line. I know they did retrieve it, but there was lots of lots of phases in um inside uh R22. But I thought our defense was resolute. I thought uh, even though it was it was this was sort of five minutes to go in the game, I thought there was still a lot of Leinster lads showing putting their bodies on the line. I thought La Rochelle was a little bit it's, it was wet conditions, I agree, as as, as Jeffy said, the, the rain had eased off, but the pitch was soaking wet. So the tendency is to play a little bit more tight. Um uh and, and I think La Rochelle were a little bit tight at that stage. Um, I think young Roos had come on at that stage who actually had a good cameo he's the French under 20 player uh, who won the Grand Slam and World Cup final this year with uh, with uh, France he's definitely a nice player to be promoted through it'll be interesting to see with him and Prendergast over the next few years if they run across each other for, for Leinster and La Rochelle but um, we had given I think away a penalty and they, they opted to go for a kick um, but it was a poor opted to go for touch but it was a poor kick again and again, the line out wasn't um, the line out. We didn't contest the line out. Um, at this stage, I think Joe McCarthy was off and Jenkins was on for the last sort of five minutes. And I think I was screaming at the TV at this stage because I straight away seen a knock on the mall. And it took a few minutes for the ref. I was going, fine, Jesus. He knocked it on, he knocked it on. And my daughter's beside me going, you know, trying to keep me quiet. And uh, like, Five seconds later, he, you know, somebody was in his ear and said he knocked down at the mall. And that was a real massive moment as well. And again, you felt that was a little battle just in, in, with the pressure we were in the inside the 22 that it was going to, was going to give us uh, something. So Kieran had a good clearance from there. Again, La Rochelle were running at that back at this stage. At this stage, we're, they were sort of using Dante a little bit more. Jimmy O'Brien put in a massive tackle on him over near the, this, the, the near touchline from the TV. Um but I think La Rochelle at this stage looked a bit tired. Some of the, you know, when you laugh at La Rochelle, they take off a massive player like Utonio and they bring on an even bigger guy like Colum, who doesn't seem to shrink in size. But they, do, they did lack a bit of mobility and a bit of nuance about their running. I mentioned Caelan Doris's ability to run and use his footwork to beat defenders. And that's maybe where they missed all the reach. I thought some of their, their, their ball carriers were very direct and that suited Leinster. We were soaking the tackle and when we soaked it, we were able to target their ruck. And ultimately, it came down to that last ruck where it was all a bit too easy, even though it's quite physical to try and bring down, bring down big men. But Josh had a nibble at, at one ruck. Then he sort of pulled out of a second ruck when he realised the ball was, was gone. And then at the third ruck, there he went again. So this was old school Leinster where we targeted the sort of third rook eventually when La Rochelle ran out of bodies because I think they were a bit lateral and a bit just too direct and they weren't quick enough to clear out our rooks. And uh, Josh had an absolutely, you know, the red scrum cap was buried in there and you could, you know, I think it was um, Carvalho was trying to clear him out and there was no way he was going to let go. Uh, at this stage, when you looked up, you looked, it was 89 seconds in the clock. Uh, and in fairness, I don't know who decided to do it, but it was excellent thinking. Realised we go for a go for a penalty because it basically brought the clock down. You have got a certain number of seconds to take a penalty, and um, still from sixty meters, um, you know he's either going to uh, Kieran's either going to score or 
what you next have to do is is kick it dead. As I said, the options were if you're going to miss, miss it well and kick it into the stand because at that stage the game was over because we were using clever enough to use the clock. You know, just to finish off, because it's important to dwell on that kick, you know, uh, Kieran from Scaries, uh, I don't know if anyone knows where the pitch is in Scaries, but, you know, on one end is the sea wall. It was literally on the far side of that wall is the sea. And on a wet, windy day, the the, the squall just comes in from the Irish Sea uh, and the wind blows in all directions and the rain blows in all directions. So I'd say Kieran has been playing on that pitch since he's been a, a mini. Uh, all those, I'm sure, hours and minutes of of time on in home Patrick pitch paid off eventually because he kicked an absolute monster kick from 60 meters and it was it was all and te- had that an extra on it that you could have taken that 10, 10 yeah. further back and still made it yeah it was all technique he didn't need to see yeah. run up he just like took one two steps and in and that just you know the camera angle was from behind the posts and from there you can't really tell sometimes with the side on angle tv you sort of know before it's gone over, but it was only um, the BT sports commentator started going, he's got the length, he's got the length, and then it just drops over. And the next thing we look over, and uh, I think Frawley and Gibson Park are doing their own version of Dirty Dancing Routine by lifting them up in the air. But it was, it was absolutely, you know, you know, it was it was just to finish off and, and to seal the deal. It was, it was one of those epic wins, you know what I mean? You can look back at Leinster in the last 15, 20 years, and there's lots, there's games we've won in France, and but it's always hard to win down there. It doesn't matter if it's Montpellier or Castro or, or Leinster, some of the bigger clubs. So, uh, you know, some non Leinster fans online sort of laugh and saying, you know, God, it, it meant a lot. Well, you know, I, I hope, as I mentioned on the line, um, I hope I never get tired of your senior team win games like that where there's been a load of. Uh, needle a load of spice and um, against a really good team down on their pitch, and you come out with a with a winning kick like that from Kieran was fantastic, and and uh, it sealed a sixteen nine win. Yeah, I mean the beauty of that finish was that um, I mean we've 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 been there before, haven't we? I mean it's like uh, having leads late into the game against this lot, and Ben, I was particularly reminded about Marseille in those closing minutes. I mean we're four points ahead. And uh, they're they're attacking our line, and you know we you almost think it's like we say the inevitable is going to happen. But uh, you know the players, thankfully the players weren't thinking that. And uh, but another thing that happened in Marseille as well is that when they finally did get the try, it was so late that they could take ages mm-hmm. uh, to take the conversion, and there was literally there was nothing we could do. They just the clock was running out. The game wasn't over, but the clock was running, and there was nothing we could do. So this happened in reverse this time. And uh, when when our defense uh, again, it was thanks to the defense. Um, it was almost like a score in itself, and they ended up getting a score from it, earning that penalty. And like that, I would it never crossed my mind of kicking it. But once they said it, it was so obvious. Of course, you're going to kick it. You've got to use. You can use up the clock, like you say. If he's got, if you can at least get the distance on it, um, it'll be almost impossible to run it back. There was so much. It made so much sense to go for that. But then he, to get it as well. Um, as well into the, into the bargain was a, was was amazing and uh, it, was a, it was a great finish to the game a real reward for the defensive effort in especially in those closing stages like you say the final score was La Rochelle nine Leinster sixteen. Okay, listen, lads, that's brilliant. We're going to leave it there. Many thanks again to Rich and Tom for joining me, and I hope I have you both on again soon. Thanks, lads. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Jeff. Cheers, Rich.
And uh, that's it for now. So next weekend sees Leinster back at the RDS for the visit of Premiership leader Sale Sharks. So we will, of course, be giving it the full Harper treatment with a wrap recording on Sunday, plus a preview on Friday. Just stay tuned to all our social media channels. The links as ever are in the program notes. In the meantime, stay safe, everyone. Slan.